Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So now what are we exactly going to call Bucks quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick? Is he the starter? Is he the backup? Or what I want to call him now, the startup. He thought he had seen it all, but Fitzpatrick has never seen anything quite like this. Filling in for quarterback Jameis Winston for three games while he is serving a suspension. You'll hear from Fitzpatrick and how he's preparing to lead the Bucks. And say it ain't so, the first injury in training camp, the real bad one at least. Uh-oh, it's Vita Vea. We'll tell you what's wrong with the Bucks' first-round pick. I don't think it's that bad, actually. And the trade deadline is approaching. Will the Rays' Chris Archer finally be dealt? Who's interested? Well, he could be wearing pinstripes. And the Rays coming off just a disastrous weekend in Baltimore, losing 3 of 4 to the worst team in baseball and outscored in the final three games, 37-12. to 12. It's back to 500 for the Rays. Are we starting to see some of that fatigue in the pitching staff? All that and more on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. Hey, for a limited time only, we have a fantastic offer for you from Continental Wholesale Diamonds that's going to make your anniversary engagement or any special occasion unforgettable. Get this now at Continental Wholesale Diamonds. With a minimum purchase of just $2,000, you're going to receive a five-day, four-night Caribbean cruise for two on us. That's right. You'll get to pick the cruise line and the destination to the Caribbean. You just pack once and enjoy romantic dining and Las Vegas entertainment every night. And make sure to uh, let Andy know, our friend at Continental Wholesale Diamonds, that you heard it from Rick and Steve on Sports Day Tampa Bay. So dazzle the ones you love with diamonds and celebrate with a romantic cruise for two on us. It's a no-brainer. Get all the details now from Continental Wholesale Diamonds. And remember, don't waste your time in the shopping mall. That's where you pay the huge overhead and higher prices. Continental Wholesale Diamonds offers a stunning selection of dazzling jewelry personal service and wholesale prices that's easy on the budget and best of all no pressure so go in see my friend Andy Continental Wholesale Diamonds he's going to pour you a nice scotch he's going to help you find that perfect diamond for your loved one it's Continental Wholesale Diamonds it's where I shop and they're at 1715 Northwest Shore Boulevard Suite 150 right next to the Penthouse Club so we're a couple days now into training camp, Steve, and of course we went through the Jameis Winston uh, mea culpa, such as it was, and other players talking about Jameis, and now it's on to preparing for football, which means the real quarterback, or at least the guy who's going to be playing the first three games, which is Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I'm just still trying to figure out what you call Ryan. I think they point. saw what the Rays are doing at Tropicana Field this year, and they're just going to call him the opener. <laughs> Exactly. He's Ryan Stanek. See, all these Ryans do a good job of opening seasons for you in games. So, uh, you know, Fitzpat- it's funny because Fitzpatrick's 35. I mean, he's seen this is his 14th season in the NFL, and he's got a ton of experience. And he's he's really it's, – it's amazing how many games this guy plays, no matter where he goes. Of course, we've written about the curse of Ryan Fitzpatrick and weird things happen um, to the starting quarterback wherever he goes. But up until last year, I think he had managed to play eight games or more uh, like in the last 10 seasons of just about everywhere he goes. But this is a position that even for Ryan Fitzpatrick is weird 
because on the one hand, he's still the number two quarterback. They signed him back in March to a one-year deal, uh, and he was fine with that. He had told us, look, I'm in a good place. Uh, I don't expect at this point in my career to be competing for a starting job. I love it. I love it here in Tampa. I like working with Jameis. Um, you know, I think I can help him. Uh, so, he, you know, he, he came back uh, for another season. And his kids are getting older. I mean, he's got a brood of them. I think he has six children, by the way, uh, he and his wife. So um, they're, they're at a point where they can come to training camp, run around the fields, enjoy his career. And so this is what he wanted to do. Now, whether he reads the newspaper and knew that there was a likelihood since last November that Jameis could be suspended or not, is a good question. But regardless, they were going to re-sign Ryan Fitzpatrick. That's what they did. They re-signed Ryan Griffin. So he he now becomes the number two and just is a heartbeat away from the starting job, even though he's never started a game. But Fitzpatrick, even even for his standards, said this is weird. And it is weird, Steve. I'm out there, and I'm telling you, it's I know this for a fact. It's hard in the National Football League to get one quarterback ready to play. Whether you're talking about ready to play the season Okay, in training camp, how you handle the reps, how you handle how you handle the preseason games, or whether you're talking about a regular season game, it's hard to prepare one guy. You know that's why in the NFL people don't really know this, but uh, or don't think about it very much. But in the NFL during the week, um, you know the quarterbacks get the game plan on Tuesday. Uh, they that's usually a player's day off, but they usually come in and, and start work on that, and then on Wednesday. Uh, you know, and Thursday are your two big install days. And those are your heavy days. And Fridays you'll do some two-minute drills in red zone. And then Saturday you have a walkthrough and more of the same. But the backup quarterback in that scenario gets almost no reps, as in zero. And that's right. I said zero. He'll run a scout, team, a scout squad at times, or maybe you'll use your third quarterback to do that. So you need a guy like with Fitzpatrick who has done it without taking reps. He's played in games without taking many reps. That's just the job, right? But now, because of Jameis's situation, you can only you're only guaranteed right now, at least, of one thing, and that is you need Fitzpatrick to play against New Orleans, okay? Because it's a it's a one game at a time league. You hope that he plays the three games, but hell, you're just hoping to try to get him to New Orleans and get him there healthy. Which means that you now have to consider what you're going to do in the preseason games a little differently because if he's your starter, then he's going to play with the first-team offense. He's going to play behind the first-team offensive line because you want to protect him. Okay, so now what happens? You're going to bring in Jameis Winston. And Jameis is, by the way, just kind of floating in and out because you know Ryan Griffin now is your number two, so he's taking some two reps. Jameis is taking them with the one, twos, and the threes. Um, but when you play Jameis in a preseason game, He's still your first round pick. He's still going to be your quarterback most likely when he comes back. So do you want to expose him with a bunch of left tackles or offensive linemen that, you know, are going to be selling insurance next week? You can't do that. So it's it's a problem. And and I'm telling you, it's so strange out there right now to see them not really struggling, but kind of like, you know, Jameis needs to be playing football. I mean, Jame, Jameis is the quarterback of this team. And, and, and he needs to get better, and he needs the timing and the reps with Deshaun Jackson, you know, not throwing to Bobo Wilson. I mean, what's, what good is it going to help him to throw to Bobo Wilson? If Bobo Wilson's not even going to be on the damn team, and if he is and he's playing, that means you have a whole lot bigger problems than, than a quarterback. So it's, it's, it's sort of taking the buzz, in my opinion. It's taking a little bit of the buzz off of training camp um, and because there's this thing, right? There's this – Three weeks of uncertainty, but for right now, it's it's Ryan Fitzpatrick's show.
Well, and I think it's got to be a little awkward too or hard because your second string quarterback for the first three games has never played in an NFL game. So he needs to get snaps too. He missed. Yeah, you know, he, he did well last year in preseason and then in the first game got hurt and didn't play anymore in the preseason. So, you know, you've got a, a guy who's one snap away who's never played in the NFL and he needs more snaps and reps. No, he's been in the system for a few years. So you're trying, you're really trying to get three quarterbacks a lot, uh, first team reps. Ready. First team reps yes. is what you're, yes. that's what you ultimately want to do, but you can't, there's not enough snaps to go around. No. And, and, and practice is structured. Look, it's not like the old days. Um, you know, in my day, when I, when I started covering the Bucks, they had three a days. But now, guys, you know, you don't even have two practices anymore. There's no two a days. It's you only can be out there for about two hours. And so, you know, when you when you talk about okay, you start out with individual drills. Everybody can do those, and then you know, you go seven on seven, and then you go team, and then you go special teams, and they, you know, quarterbacks are working on various footwork and different things. I mean, the way practice is structured, you know, you might get fifteen reps a day in an actual 11-on-11, you know, type scrimmage-type look, right? 15 per quarterback per day, if you're lucky. Um, And so, you know, I mean, the good news is they don't, you know, they they have four weeks of preseason games, and they don't play a preseason game until, what, like next Thursday or something like that or the week after. Um, So, you know, all all that is part of it. They still have time. But it's really not a ton of practice. And... And you're right. I mean, you know, what would happen? I mean, Ryan Griffin would be the next man up. And just imagine, uh, because Griffin got hurt last year. You know, that could have been Ryan Fitzpatrick that separated his shoulder. What if he goes out there in preseason and something happens? I mean, um, you know, all these things are going to come into play at some point. But the biggest takeaway for me has been watching Jameis sort of shrink as, you know, the face of the franchise, as a leader of the offense. I mean, he still leads – you know, individually, and he has great relationships. And, you know, Dirk Cutter talked about the other day about, you know, Jameis has conversations all the time with players, and he's always very positive, and he helps everybody. And he's still doing those things, and he's getting, you know, he's taking his job very seriously. Um, but it's just, it's not, nothing is the same. It's just really odd and a really sort of, you know, in limbo feeling for the entire franchise and for the fans. I, I Look, the players are going to play no matter who lines up there, right? They have confidence in everybody. The coaches will tell you they have confidence in everybody. Um, but like I was saying, I was on the radio with uh, with uh, Tom Krasnicki uh, the other morning, and, and I was telling him that we're fooling ourselves. We're fooling ourselves. If you're a fan and you think, yeah, they'll be okay. And you know what? They may win a game or two. I don't know. Maybe they win all three. But the reality is, show me the team, Steve, where I say, okay, I'll take their starting quarterback and I'm going to sit them on the bench for three weeks. Are they, are they going to make it or not? How damaged are they? You can't show me a team that you feel good about that. You know, maybe, the, maybe the Arizona Cardinals, if I took Sam Bradford and gave you Rosen, the rookie, Josh Rosen, uh, I mean, there might be some situations like that. You might say Carson the, Wentz and Nick Foles. Only because right, Nick Foles I, won the Super Bowl but last year. But let's look at let's look at this division. Okay. Let's right. just say, okay, well, let's look at the NFC South. All right, I got Matt Ryan. Okay, guess who's starting three weeks? Matt Schaub. You feel good about that? Nope. No. Right? Um, hell, I don't even know who backs up Cam well, it's Derek Anderson still there, backs up Cam Newton. I don't even know. Um, you know, Drew Brees, you know, I mean, if you take Drew Brees off the New Orleans Saints, do they have a chance? You know, it, it's just it's ludicrous to think that, yeah, you know, 
and again, I'm not predicting like there's this Fitzpatrick may be the perfect guy for this. If you're going to have this situation, he may be the one you want because he, other than this, he has seen it all and he, he knows his game. Um, he's played with enough different receivers that he can adapt to, you know, we we're talking the other day about, you know, these reps are invaluable for him because normally he would never get this in training camp, right? Unless he was a starter. You never get the timing down. You never get enough reps to really know Chris Godwin. You got to go out there and kind of wing it, right? But now he's going to actually hone, you know, the routes and, and the timing, and he's going to be able to do things that he normally wouldn't do because of his situation. Um, and, and because he's unflappable, he knows his game. He knows, you know, when, when I do this, I'm not very good. When I stay within myself, uh, this, is how I, this is how I can be effective. So I think in many ways he's, he's the, uh, the perfect guy. But this is a terrible situation. I mean, nobody, nobody wants to lose their starting quarterback. Miami lost Tannehill, for God's sakes, and they brought in Jay Cutler. And everybody thought, wow, Jay Cutler, that might be a pretty good save. And it was, a, it was just a disaster. I mean, there's no team that wants to just say, hey, we're starting the year and we don't have our guy. <laughs> so uh, I just think, I don't know. Watching it is weird. It's been a weird first week out there. Well, normally when you lose a guy, it's he got hurt and you have to deal with it at that moment and figure it exactly. out. It's not this, you know, we, we've you accept been it. anticipating this since last November. You weren't sure right. how much it might might be or how long the suspension would be. And then when you find out about a month ago that's going to be three games, it's, it, it's, it's bizarre because that next man up mentality is about this guy got hurt. I got to go in right now. And, and, and right, and it, yeah, and, and the thing is, the next the, the guy that you're replacing is still practicing. There's nothing wrong with him. Mm-hmm. He did this to himself, so psychologically, it's like, yeah, we gotta get Ryan ready because you know normally you'd say, well, you know, hey, Jameis is out, you know, the shoulder, he's gonna miss them. No, he's standing right next to you. He's standing right next to you, and he's looking like a million bucks throwing the football. And you know what? He's gonna look good for the next five weeks or four weeks, and then he's gonna go away, and that's devastating for a football team. You know, and it's just they they can, and and I know players. I know how they are. It's like we get up, we go to work. They tell us what our jobs are. We do our jobs. We don't think about it. We don't think about any one guy being bigger than the team. And you know, if you're Venny Curry, who came from the Philadelphia Eagles, or Bo Allen, you're saying, what's the big deal? You know, we had Nick Foles, who didn't play all year, and you know, the guy led us to the Super Bowl and was the MVP. So why are we crying about Jameis Winston missing three weeks? Well, because Nick Foles had played a good amount of football. Now, so has Ryan Fitzpatrick. But that Eagles team, I mean, I, I don't know how they did that. Like that, you would think that that would knock you out. You, you, you know, your, your quarterback's thrown 33 touchdowns for the Eagles, and you're going to the playoffs as the number one seed, and you've lost your starter. That should have been curtains for them, but it wasn't. And so that's, that's the other side of it. It's like, you know, I talked to Vinnie Curry today, and he's like, you know, Fitzpatrick, man, he goes, he carved us up a couple years ago. <laughs> he's like, you know. This isn't a bad – this is not like, like a guy that's never played, you know, and I get that. I mean, everybody's really optimistic, but I, I just come back to reality and I go, what team wants to lose their starting quarterback for the first three weeks? Not the middle of the season, not once you've gotten off to a good start or it's underway, the first three games of the season. So we had a chance to finally talk to Ryan Fitzpatrick about this situation, and again, he's been in a lot of different ones. He's never seen anything quite like this. Here's our conversation with the Bucks media and Ryan Fitzpatrick. 
Fitz, you've started a lot of seasons uh, as the quarterback and been through plenty of training camps. How, how different is this situation with uh, knowing that Jameis is suspended three weeks, but you're getting, you're the guy, you know? Yeah. I mean, I thought I had seen and been through it all, but uh, <laughs> another year, just another, you know, different situation. But I, I think the biggest thing in all of this is just we're all professionals and, you know, just communicating every day as well in terms of the reps and what's going on and, um, you know, I'm fortunate enough to have played in a lot of games and sometimes playing in a lot of games where I didn't get any preseason reps with the ones or, you know, training camp offseason reps with the ones. So um, I can kind of go about it both ways. But there's, you know, there, in terms of timing, um, there's guys that are easier to throw to than others. And so getting the reps in practice and, you know, in some of those preseason games, uh, those will be good live reps to get with some of the receivers just to get the timing down. How differently do you view things now in your final years here opposed to maybe your first five years in the league? Uh, I mean, it's a lot different. There's, there's a lot of reasons for it, but you know, my first few years in the league, I was swimming, you know, just trying to stay in and, uh, you know, have a job every year. And, and now, uh, I'm just I'm playing because I love to play and, and I come in and have fun every day. So uh, my perspective certainly has changed, just based on I guess my experience and the amount of years I've been in the league, and also you know from when I was younger, all the all the kids that I have at home and all that. Uh, perspective is definitely a lot different now than it was. Speaking of perspective, um, given the, the allegations against Jameis and, and the, the suspension and everything, I know you were very complimentary of him last year and, and it seemed like you guys were very close. Has your perception of him, has your perspective on him changed at all since the suspension came down? Uh, for me, I, I try to, you know, everybody has a clean slate when I meet them and, and I judge people based off of what I see. And um, I couldn't have been more impressed with Jameis last year and the way, you know, we, we hang out in the building, the way that he goes about his business in football. Um, you know our interaction. He, he's an amazing guy, and um, that that hasn't changed. I haven't seen anything different to change that. You mentioned the kids you have at home, and I know that's a large group. Um, I know you've gotten more settled here in Tampa. How does that carry over to the field? Uh, I mean, it makes it makes life a little bit easier, I guess. But as they get older, life is just more hectic, more busy. So. Uh, uh, these are I, I love training camp because they're coming in today. So, you know, after practice at training camp, I get my 45 minutes a day of running around on the field with them, and it's fun to be able to share this experience with them, and especially for my older ones where they're going to actually remember it. Uh, that's that's neat for me. Well, in your career, you've had to be prepared for a lot of different situations, had to learn to be flexible. How will all of those experiences help you in this situation? Uh, I, I always you know, rely on that past experience. And, uh, you know, part of it too, just, you know, we've got some superstar receivers here. And, you know, I always try to, in my head, you know, relate them to guys I've played with or, you know, combinations of guys I've played with and what has been successful for me with them. And I think with all that, just as I alluded to before, with the reps at quarterback and all that, open communication with those guys, um, that's something over the years that I've, I've really uh, grown to love and, and learned to do really well. And so um, I think 
leaning on plenty of that past experience, not just on the field, but in how you treat guys or how you deal with guys, whether it's up front or, or receivers or the different personalities. Uh, that's that's some of the, I think, good experience that I had and why I still love playing the game. Would you guys this opportunity? Harrison-wise, like which guys? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, we've we've got really good receivers, and I play with lots of really good receivers. So it's it's you know, I, it's a certain route here or there. It's not necessarily this guy is this guy. Do you view this opportunity as Jackson was consistent enough last year? Uh, you hit on a big one with him today. How how is that chemistry working with you so far this year with him? Well, we you know it's early in camp. We've been two practices in. Probably have to go ice my arm after I threw that one. <laughs> I think it went over 30 yards without a flutter, so that was a that was a record for me. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's obviously a home run hitter and uh, you know a guy that defenses have to account for and that are afraid of. So we're going to try to give him as many opportunities as possible. You it's every opportunity as maybe more than just three games that things shake out the right way for you. No, I, I've learned you know you view it as a one game at a time opportunity. That's just the way it is in this league, and uh, you know, I, I in 2015 when I played with the Jets, I was I was a backup and ended up in the whole year with the situation there. And in 2016, I was a starter and you know I ended up getting benched three times during the year. So every year is different. You have to take it game by game and just go from there. That said, the first three games that's quite a gauntlet of opponents. Everybody's good in the NFL, right? Do, do you feel like you're in this role of like? You know, hey, save the season for us, Fitz, you know. <laughs> uh, I mean, the season hasn't even started yet, so uh, it's a cliche, but it, it is a, it's one game at a time. You have to look at it that way, and, um, you know, not even based off last year, just talent-wise, looking at the team that we have out here, you know, I get in that huddle on offense, and, I mean, it's a pretty exciting huddle to be in as a quarterback looking at some of those guys. We're just talking about your guys' leadership style and you Amos, and how you both lead, but it's just in different ways. How long did it take you to kind of develop the style of leadership that you have within a team? Is that something you just came naturally? Yeah, I, I think leadership comes in all different forms, shapes, sizes, and I think the biggest thing with it is you have to be genuine and you have to be yourself. And so we are two different personalities. For me, I'm just genuine in myself, and that seems to that seems to work for me. So uh, that's the way that's the way that I do it. Um, and everybody has a different style. But the most important thing is that guys want to follow you. They want you in that huddle with them, and they have confidence. You know, when you're in the huddle and up there on the line. So that's the most important thing to gain the trust and the confidence of the guys you're in the huddle. With. Dirk Cutter said yesterday that James would have to kind of embrace a little bit of a different leadership role, and that he would have to kind of lead from the rear. for a number one draft pick I mean he's the most one of the most coachable guys I've ever seen you know in terms of uh, taking criticism uh, whether it's on the field or in the film room applying it on the field to get better uh, in terms of the technique and, and being a technician and his drops and you know the way he throws the ball he's very impressive in that regard and so this suits him his demeanor well in that he's gonna no matter what the situation is around him he's gonna attack every day and every rep and that's been something that's always been impressive about him.
You talk about the talented uh, wide receiver that you see on the field out here, Chris Godwin. Uh, can you talk about the evolution in him? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. What you saw towards maybe the end of the year. He, Chris was such an impressive rookie last year in terms of the way. You don't see, first of all, a lot of rookies that have rookie receivers that have success early and the ones that do um, you know Chris was a guy that even early on if he wasn't getting a lot of catches some of the things he was doing in the run game or some of the things he was doing where as a quarterback you feel good about him out there he was he was so impressive and I was glad to see at the end of the year the production pick up a little bit you know he got a few more opportunities and uh, he was really a veteran presence as a young receiver, which has never happened in this league. So that was great. And he's just got to continue to get better. You know, he he can make a 10-year career out of the way that he played last year. But I don't think he wants to settle for, you know, being a guy that's going to be a role player that is going to be a good number two or three receiver. At some point in his career, he's He's got to strive to be that number one go-to guy, and he's just going to continue to get better and better. And uh, I, I think I see that in him too, his drive and his willingness, whether it's in the film room or after practice, uh, the way that he works out here, it's really impressive. So we're just we're expecting big things out of him and just hoping that he continues to improve. Brian, does the, uh, does the competitor or dreamer in you kind of feel like, hey, I can, I can take this past week three all the way? Uh, it, you know. Again, I, I have been... I have been thrown in so many different situations and, you know, thought things were, were great one week and then you know, thrown six interceptions the next week and then got benched one week and then thrown six touchdowns the next week. So it is, it's an absolute circus in this league and you have to look at it one week at a time. All right, so we figured out, I figured out that, uh, you know, of course, Derek Anderson is no longer with the Panthers, although he used to be a buck killer any time that uh, Cam couldn't play. He would usually take care of the bucks for you. But they have – I mean, imagine if he goes down, if Cam goes down, they got the great Kyle Allen, the quarterback from Texas A&M from a few years ago, and then Garrett Gilbert from SMU. So, you know, they, I mean, how thrilled would they be if they found out tomorrow that somehow Cam Newton was going to be available for something for the first three weeks? And then let's move over to the Saints, who have had – you know, in the past they've had some guys like, you know, um, what, Luke McCown and some others. Well, now uh, they're looking at the great Tom Savage, the former – uh, Pittsburgh quarterback that was with the Texans for a number of years. J.T. Barrett from Ohio State, although, hell, he might be more of a receiver at this point in his career than he is a quarterback. And uh, was it Taysom Hill from um, SMU? Is that No, BYU. 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 Right? Yeah, BYU. So, I mean, hey, I mean, those guys, you would probably, if you were one of those teams, you may very likely, if you knew, if you had this situation, and you wouldn't because those guys wouldn't be suspended for this, but if something came up, they may go outside and make a trade. You know, maybe they're the they're the team that would go out and try to deal for Teddy Bridgewater or something like that. But um, so so really, I mean, just just in the NFC South alone, no team wants to trade places with the Bucks. And you know, um, this this is just a a bad situation. But 
you heard from Ryan Fitzpatrick. Um, we talked to, you know, Dirk Cutter as well, and he says, you know, people are getting it wrong if you think we're worried about our quarterback uh, with Fitzpatrick because we're not. Well, okay. Uh, we'll, we'll let them play the games. We'll see how it goes. Uh, they certainly have more talent on offense. They certainly have a rebuilt defense. Uh, you never know from year to year what's going to happen. The Saints have lost. Last year they won the division and they lost their first two games at home. Um, you know, they, uh, they don't have Mark Ingram to start the season. So, there's, you know, things happen. I understand that. But this is just such a weird uh, feeling when you go out there in camp and you, and you don't see number three running out there to take the first team reps. But that's, that's where they are anyway. Meanwhile, where are the Tampa Bay Rays with all this talk about trades, and especially with Chris Archer? Um, we're going to know by Tuesday, the tread deadline, maybe as early as today, perhaps. I know they have a day off. Rays have a day off after their disastrous road trip in Baltimore. I think I read Mark Tompkins said that uh, Chris Archer is headed home to his home in North Carolina for a day, uh, for the day off. So he may never make it back here to Tampa, as it, as it turns out. Um, I think, Steve, I think this is the time. I don't know what they're being offered. Let's be honest. I mean, we know we none of us know, and they have full control of him in a, a fairly um, through twenty twenty one organization friendly salary for for a guy like Chris Archer. But my feeling is this: he, whatever his value is, it probably won't be higher than it is right now because you know he hasn't been that consistent or that good to to start with. Um, these teams, somebody that trades for him is going to be in a pennant, pennant race. Uh, we've heard, we've heard about the New York Yankees having an interest in him, for example. Um, and we know the race that they're in with Boston. You saw Nate Evaldi. How about the job he did in his first time out with the Red Sox? Seven shutout Those, innings on Sunday. Yeah. It gets the win and, and, uh, sh- and yeah, and, and throws shuts out, shutouts. So, um, you know, with Archer, I mean, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know if you bring him back next spring training or something like that. If if well, you know, here's the here's the hard part for the race press. Here's the hard part is that traditionally, for someone you have under control for several more years, which they have Chris Archer under contract through 2021. Traditionally, you get more for a player like that in the off season. It's because it's, you can deal with 30 teams. Well, or 29. Other correct, teams. correct. And and you're going into the season, and rosters are being revamped, and you're not trying to stay within a confined payroll for this year. You know, you're kind of everything starts anew. But so that, that didn't happen but, when they went in the off season. Well, this year. and that's the thing is, is is you know the trade deadline's more about players that have a, a you know half year left, a year left on their contract. You rent a player, yeah. But last off season, free agents weren't being signed, which meant trades weren't going down. I mean, you know, we often talked, we thought the Rays would make more trades. Maybe not quite, you know, the way they had, but, you know, the trades the, the trades that the Rays were supposed to make last offseason took place very late in the offseason. It wasn't happening in November like they usually do because all these free agents were sitting there and they all went to IMG yeah. and trained at spring training and Alex Cobb yeah, Alex being one of them. Alex Cobb was still down late. there, yeah. Right. That, so if you're the Rays, traditionally you get more in the offseason because you've got 30 teams and going after them and everything else, but you can't count on that this offseason necessarily. Now, a lot of these teams that dove under the luxury tax this year, like the Yankees and Dodgers and, and Red Sox, and part of the reason that a lot of those free agents didn't get signed is they wanted to stay below the luxury ta- tax for the third straight year. They can now go spend over the luxury tax next season, so maybe the trade market will be better. And the free agent market next year. We don't know that yet. So it's, you know, so if you're the Rays, it's 
how much value am I getting for him now? And how much are the Yankees or Dodgers or Cubs or whoever, you know, the Padres, whoever's interested in him? How much are they willing to give up? And do we think we can get a better deal in the offseason? And that's the question you're going to ask. Yeah, I mean, we don't know what they're being offered. So, I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's going to determine whether they make they pull the trigger or not. I think this, you know, obviously it's a it's wearing on Chris Archer. It would wear on any – these guys are human. I mean, I, mm-hmm. and I really – here's the other thing about this. I think Archer's ready to go. You know what I mean? I think he realizes that – and Mark Tompkins wrote about this uh, a week or two ago – is that, you know, by the time the Rays get to where they want to go and, and, and rebuild this thing with their young core players, you know, um, like, like Adames and Bauer and all those guys, by the time they get where they want to go – he won't be part of the mix anyway. You know, he, like I said, he's going to be 30 years old. Um, and that's, you know, that's not over the hill necessarily. Um, but it, it's also not a time when typically pitchers get better. And he has struggled uh, pretty pretty consistently. I mean, he's still a strikeout guy. He's still capable of going out there and, and pitching a lot of innings for you in any given season. And those guys have value. Um, but I just, I, I think he knows that it's not going to get done here. And, you know, if, if they can get the right mix of, of prospects for him, I think this is – I really believe this is the time they're going to do it. Now, they still have Hechevarria they're going to need to trade. Um, we don't, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen with Ramos. Is he going to be healthy enough? Will, will mm-hmm. teams take him knowing he's not – he's close but not quite ready? Sergio Romo could go. Romo could Carlos go. Carlos Gomez yeah. if someone's looking for someone like him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Matt Duffy even if you get the right offer. I don't see him being traded, but I don't see that. But yeah, but I think possible. he would be more an off-season type trade where you've got sure. you know someone's going to give up a lot more for him at that point. But but you know, I mean, you know, look, if you're the Rays, you're listening to offers on anybody. Sure, you are. Absolutely. Now, let me ask you this: So we saw them go to Baltimore, and for whatever reason, Baltimore, who is not, do you know, like their 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 sixth sixth highest or five or six highest scoring games. This year for the Baltimore Orioles have all come against Tampa Bay. It's incredible. Yeah, the Rays have not um, done well, particularly at Camden Yards. Seattle and, and Baltimore have been the teams this year that they just struggle with. Just beating up on them in Baltimore. They, I mean, they, you know, they they're still the, one of the, what the worst record in baseball, or one of them. Yep, they are. Um, and and just a, a you know everybody was having a bad year. They weren't hitting the ball at all. And and then the Rays came to town and they took the first one and then they lose three in a row. They give up thirty seven runs. Let me ask you because this is something that that Kevin Cash did not shoot down when when he when it was asked, and that is, could we be seeing the beginning of the fatigue from this uh, experiment, and that's what it is, with uh, the opening pitchers and all the bullpen days and all the usage uh, in various different roles that they have had with that bullpen. Could that have been what we're starting to see now, and little fissures of that? Uh, from this weekend in Baltimore, it could be that um, you know we've all said that that's a possibility that 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 could happen at some point this season. But I, I'll throw out another theory mm-hmm. that you know you talked about with Chris Archer and and you know the trade deadline. They're human. In the last few days, the Rays have seen Avaldi traded, mm-hmm. Andres traded. Um, there's a lot more players concerned about being traded, and while they're going to make money, they're going to have a contract, but. You know, it weighs on you. You're personally, you have no idea where you're going to be. You don't know where your family's going to be moving to. You don't, you know, that, that they're human and it weighs on them. And, and you see this a lot of times in, in teams that are in limbo around the trade deadline 
that they can struggle a little bit that week or two prior in any sport. Mm-hmm. You see it in hockey sometimes. You see it, you know, that, you know, is it, and not only that, but so they traded Evaldi, they traded injuries. They got a couple guys from AAA coming up that maybe really aren't, you know, completely ready to be major league pitchers yet. And you're bringing them up here to get them more experience and, and stuff too. So, you know, everything's kind of thrown off on this Rays team right now. Um, and, and maybe some of it's just the fatigue of the season and, and that, but, you know, I tend to look at maybe it's more the human side of things. And it you could know, be. I mean, there's, they there's just, a lot of they, players that have no idea where they're going to be come Tuesday for the next Rays game. I mean, the Rays are be, off today. They, so the, the weird thing is, before they went to Baltimore, they had just beaten the Yankees two out of three at home. <laughs> so it wasn't like, hey, we came off the All Star game, off the mm-hmm. All Star break and laid an egg. I mean, they, they took care of the Yankees two out right. of three. But, but like it, I said, the trade started right after that. You right. know, Vivaldi was right now. before the, 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 the game Wednesday, the, you know, right. and Andres was after the game. And, you know, right. it, it starts to weigh on you and you're on the road, so you're not with your family. Um, you know, sometimes, you Listen. know, sometimes on the road, it, it can be a good thing because you can be by yourself and have time to, to think or relax or whatever else. Sometimes the road can be a benefit to you. But, you know, if you're if you're worried about your future and this and the other, maybe being home is a better thing for you, too. I mean, you know, they're human. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and I know in my past, whenever, you know, you're worrying about your job or whatever else is going on, it affects a lot of things you do. <laughs> yes, it does, Steve. <laughs> when, when you're trying to contemplate your future with job offers, it does definitely affect your life. I can attest to that. Um, so anyway, we got uh, so, so the Rays now they uh, they come home. They have a day off today uh, and then they have like uh, a pretty good long homestand coming up, right? Yeah, they got the Angels uh, start on Tuesday. Then you get the White Sox in this weekend. Of course, this weekend is the uh, the ten year anniversary reunion of the World Series team. Uh, you have the uh, Iwamura bobblehead on Saturday. You're going to have a lot of those players back in town. Two thousand and eight celebration. Yep, the yeah, we're going to bring Longo back. Is Longo coming? Well, he's playing, so a little tough for him to be to be back. But <laughs> assuming back ass- assuming James Shields is still a White Sox, he'll be in town. That's true, uh, but he could be traded, of course, in the next you know day and a half here. Uh, so th- that, and then you get the who uh, forget who's in town next week, but uh, yeah, you get another uh, series next week. Yeah, so they'll, they'll be come home for a while. So we'll see. I mean, they're back to five hundred. You know, they eked up three games over, and then now they crawled their way back to five hundred. I, I I am still stunned that they're doing what they're doing, um, but maybe, like I said, I think the big the big litmus, and and I'll give Kevin Cash credit for this. He's like, look this is all sort of new ground that we're carving out here. Like they, you know, they don't know, you know, he allowed that maybe we will start to see some fatigue. Maybe, maybe there are residual effects that we, no one knows because no one's tried this before. So it doesn't mean you don't want to try it or continue it. It just means that we, we don't know what the effects will be. And it could have just been that Baltimore got confident and started swinging a hot bat. And I'll tell you what, I've never, when that ballpark up there doesn't hold anything. I mean, that that has to be one of the best hitters parks in the world because it seems like – and you see the play that Malik Smith almost had where he jumps over the fence and the ball's in his glove. Just got to squeeze he it. Actually, he's just got to finish the play. Um, it would have been a hell of a catch, don't get me wrong, but he, he had done mm-hmm. the hard work. He got to the fence. He timed his leap, caught the ball in the, in the the uh, you know pretty much in the web and just didn't pull it back. Yeah, in. it wasn't snow coned or anything where it just kind of falls out. No. Yeah, I mean that that was disappointing for him. So, um, also, I don't know if you caught any of the uh, the baseball Hall of Fame. 
Get I didn't, but a heck of a class. I mean, when you look at uh, Chipper Jones, uh, one of the greatest switch hitters of all time, uh, you know, from the Atlanta Braves, you look at um, Trevor Hoffman, a phenomenal closer who you know was drafted at as a short shortstop by the Reds. Most people don't realize that he kind of converted to pitching and then closing mm-hmm. in his career. I uh, you know Jack Morris and Alan Trammell got voted in on the. Uh, they don't call it the old timers committee anymore, but uh, I forget how they call that now. And of course, you got uh, Jim Tomey from the White Sox and Indians. Uh, you know, a, a DH for a lot. I mean, played first base to start, then a lot of DH. And Vlad Guerrero, who was just a phenomenal hitter, uh, mostly for the Expos in his career. Um, I always enjoyed watching him. Uh, man, you think about some of those Expos teams and some of the players they had on there. Oh God, yeah, they were. I mean, great. from Guerrero to Pedro Martinez to Martinez. Larry Walker to Randy Johnson to Gary Carter. Oh, absolutely. I mean, mm-hmm. it's amazing they never really won. Ned Reigns. Or Ned Reigns. Oh, Tim Ra- yeah, Tim Raines. Tim Raines. Yeah. I played against Ned Raines. <laughs> Tim Raines. It's but, true. I played against his brother. It's amazing that uh, team never won. They should have won in 94, and then the season yeah. was called off uh, due to a strike, which allowed the Braves to have those 14 straight division championships because that year they weren't going to win it in the middle. That's right. Yeah, the the, uh, the uh, Expos were actually leading the, uh, the, the division at that time. Um, I, I watched some of the uh, this. First of all, Jim Tomey's, I don't know if you, if you saw the, the induction ceremonies. Of course, they're always great. And I, I, I'm a sap for Hall of Fame deals. I just kind of like them. But, um, and I've never been to Cooperstown, which is stunning that I haven't been up there. Because as big a baseball fan as, I, as I've been in my whole life. But uh, the, the whole ceremony kind of began with the national anthem. And Jim Tomey's daughter sang it. And she was phenomenal. She was really good. And I'm thinking to myself, because I'm a dad, you know, and my kids will perform in their little elementary school plays or you know get up there with a the class and sing and i'm thinking to myself and, and your little tear was coming out of his eyes i'm thinking what must that like you are going into the baseball hall of fame and your daughter who is talented and beautiful and she's standing up there and opening the ceremonies by singing the national anthem that had to be quite a mo- it was a moving moment and then um I, I heard highlights from a lot of speeches but i actually watched chipper jones and he was terrific. He told this story, in case you didn't get a chance to see it, I'll tell it for you now. But he told us, his big thing was his dad's, the reason he switched hit was because his dad's idol was Mickey Mantle, as it was for a lot of men of that generation. And, um, you know, so they would go out in the backyard, they'd watch the game of the week on Saturday, you know, with whoever, Vince Scully or Joe Garagiola or whoever was doing it. And then they'd go out in the backyard, and he said he'd have like a PVC bat and a tennis ball, and he said that, you know, his dad, his dad's favorite team was the Yankees. And so, you know, Chipper liked the Dodgers and they would, you know, try to, you know, emulate each hitter that would come up in that lineup. And so, you know, if it was Reggie Smith or whoever for the Dodgers, I mean, you know, Chipper would bat left-handed. The whole time he didn't realize that his father was teaching him how to switch hit like his favorite player, Mickey Mantle. Uh, so he became a switch hitter from like the age of seven and all that. Uh, and anyway, long story short, when he got the, when Chipper got to Double A because he was number one overall pick, he gets to Double A, and he found himself at a autograph show in Atlanta because he he's a big deal, you know. Even though he hadn't made it to the majors, he's he's a big deal in Atlanta. And at that card show is Mickey Mantle, and he he knows that it's his dad's idol, and he'd grown up hearing everything about Mickey Mantle. Of course, he followed baseball, and so he knew who he was. Uh, and so he said he practiced in the mirror. Uh, you know, kind of like, how am I going to, how am I going to, hello, hello, Mr. Mantle, this, you know, hi, Mick, I'm Chipper Jones. And and then, of course, when the time came for him to go to the show and meet Mickey Mantle, he was completely tongue-tied, couldn't say a word, didn't know what to say. 
But after about a half hour or so uh, of signing autographs, he, he got up the courage to finally, um, you know, ask him some questions. And he finally, he finally asked Mick, he goes, hey, you ever get tired of this? And he said, and Mick told a funny story. He said, well, you know, he goes, I've been having this recurring dream. And he goes, and my dream is, is that I, I'm at the pearly gates and I go to heaven and God, I must have been looked concerned because I'm at the gate and God comes up to me and he pauses for about 15 seconds. And he says, don't worry, Mick, we're going to let you in. But first, can you sign these dozen baseballs? <laughs> And Chipper goes, and I kind of figured out what Mick's life must have been over all these years because I've kind of been in that same world. Um, so it was just a funny story, and and uh, Chipper was great. I mean, he told he told some pretty good stories. But I love he's the a Hall funny Braves. guy. I, I used to, he I did, really I, is. I ran the Atlanta Braves radio network for back in two thousand five, and so I got to know him a little bit. And he's a you know he wasn't as outspoken on that team as say a John Smoltz was on some of those Braves teams as far as, you know, talking a lot. Mm-hmm. But when you just get him one-on-one or in a small group, he's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, he was good. I, I, and so Smoltz, of course, Hall of Famer. Glavin was there. And, and uh, um, you know, Bobby Cox was there. And uh, so there's, you know, a lot of Atlanta Braves, of course, that are in the Hall of Fame. Um, and it was kind of neat. It was a lot of good – a lot of Atlanta fans were there. I mean, it was – I'm impressed by the fan bases that travel to Cooperstown, you know, to back their guys. Um, even even Hoffman had a lot of people from San Diego. It was cool. It was a, it's a big celebration. It was a beautiful day in New York. Um, looked like a sunny day. Humidity wasn't bad. So uh, I got to get up there one time and see that. That would be that would be really a lot of fun. So the Bucks this uh, on this day are going to be off. They they have to have every after every what is it four days they get a day off, and so they'll resume practice on Tuesday. Uh, but we'll have plenty of Bucks coverage for you on TampaBay.com. Uh, and um, they're get, getting ready now, I guess, uh, what are we, about a week or so away from their first preseason game will be at Miami. And, uh, and then they go to Tennessee for a week of uh, joint practices, and then they play uh, the Titans. And then, of course, the last two games uh, are at home. So we'll have that. We'll have the trade deadline, which is fast approaching. We might have some trade news for you tomorrow with Chris Archer or maybe uh, – you know, who knows, maybe Ramos or Hetchevere uh, or, or somebody like that might go as well. So you want to make sure you follow Mark Tompkin or follow us on TampaBay.com. We'll have you uh, – we'll talk about that on Sports Day Tampa Bay. As always, uh, we love your interaction. Uh, you know, you guys are great. The, the listening – listeners are building, and um, we'd love for you guys to interact with us. Uh, you can do that on Twitter, at Sports Day TB. You can reach me at NFL Stroud, or you can email me at rstroud at tampabay.com and also make sure you go see my our friend annie at continental wholesale diamonds this is a deal you can't resist and it's just for you if you spend two thousand dollars at continental wholesale diamond and buy that perfect diamond uh, or gift for your loved one you're also going to get a five-day four-night cruise for two to anywhere you want to go in the caribbean and you get to choose the cruise line what's better than that from our friend annie at continental wholesale diamonds as always, we'd love for you to rate and review this podcast. Steve, where can they do that? Anywhere you get podcasts. iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Uh, just search for Sports Day Tampa Bay. Hit subscribe so it downloads to your mobile device every day automatically. And you can listen anytime you want. Share it with a friend or, or click like on the post or leave a comment. And that always helps us out. And we appreciate it. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We'll have more of those all through the week as training camp continues. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. For Steve Verstink, have a great Monday, everybody.
Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.